Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you, good sir? Good. Very good. I'm like a expo of excitement and pleasure and joy and smiles and happiness. Back in the studio will do that to you. I uh, I know when I'm in, in the studio here... Uh, it just makes me smile all, all the times that I'm here. And when I leave, I just want to come back into its warmth and slight toxic smell of foam pads <laughs> on the walls. Yes. <laughs> Intoxicating. Uh, I hope that's what it is and not, not, like the, not like I'm going to regret this a few years down the road. <laughs> so you've got small bits of fuzz in your lungs. Okay. It's just the adhesive. That's, okay. that's right. That's right. Uh, well, we have some fun stuff to talk to you about today. We are going to go into the history of comic book films. We are up to the year 2020, uh, but first... Interesting year. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, you could say that. I don't know if that's the word I would use, but uh, the comic book films were an interesting part of it. Uh, we're first going to talk just a little bit about something that uh, is coming up here at the end of April. Uh, when we're recording this, it's still about two weeks out. Um, our podcast is going to be covering Fan Expo in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I know you and I have gone to a couple of conventions here and there, and while I would like to say it's both of us again going in this instance, I'm going to be bearing this one uh, on my own for the moment with only a small crew of whoever I can scrap mm -hmm. together to carry stuff for me. <laughs> and that's going to be with lots of people so you might have to carry a fair amount of equipment too yeah yeah the the individual that is going with me is um not what i would call a pack horse mm -hmm. uh so yes I, i'm going to i'm going to see how i can streamline uh what i can bring and and make it just work a little bit better uh, a little bit easier a little bit smoother but uh so fan expo uh as you're listening to this, you might go, what is Fan Expo? And I would not blame you because this is a newly named event. It's, it's been around before. We actually attended this in 2019. Uh, but at that point, it was called Wizard World. Um, same, same convention, just new name. Wizard. I kind of like the Wizard World a little bit better just because, you know, like you say, Wizard just makes it feel... Kind of magical. Well, I also think that you you have a different presentation, right? But I feel like there are more faces this time around than what there were a few years ago as well. Just a few. Uh, I mean, they they had a pretty good they had a pretty good offering in 2019. I was impressed with the number of people that were there. But uh, yeah, they they seem intent on outdoing themselves every time that they try. So. If you're unfamiliar with this type of a convention, you know, we've, we've gone to comic book conventions. We've gone to um, gaming conventions. We've gone to celebrity-focused conventions. This is closer to the latter, um, though not entirely. Um, we have posted up on Facebook uh, a few pictures from our previous visit. 
uh, and a little bit of information about what it's like. But yeah, you get a chance to see some some actors uh, that you might admire. Uh, they have a, a whole section on voice actors. They have a number of writers and artists and editors from the comic book field. They've got cosplayers. There's a whole big floor of stuff uh, to see and to buy and interact with. It's, it's really pretty neat. So in that sense, it does take a certain tone and direction, right? These people that are going to be there aren't necessarily comic book themed. And it's not strictly a comic book themed show. No. It's a showcase of a lot of fun things. I mean, you're not going to see people there that you you wouldn't see it like, I don't know, hard to describe. It's a place where there's a lot of, like you said, gaming, comic books, those action movies, the TV shows that people have kind of just grown up on and loved over time. And it's not your typical collection of actors and actresses this time. So that's, I think, what makes it really fun. Yeah, absolutely. And they've got a pretty pretty wide variety of individuals. I know personally, um, having the chance to, to meet William Shatner, being a Star Trek nerd for a very long time, uh, meeting... Uh, John Delancey, pretty high on my list. Uh, that's that's going to be pretty cool. Um, Kevin Smith, I've loved his work for just a long time and uh, getting the chance to try and just get a few minutes to geek out um, and just talk to several of these people. It's it's going to be pretty, pretty awesome. Um, uh, and I don't know about uh, I don't know about uh, you, Richard, but. Even the voice actors, I mean, it's just kind of, they've got some people that have really done some cool stuff over the years. Well, one of the things I I do believe that you see in voice acting on animated stuff, for example, they'll, they'll appear in a lot of different things. Now, if they have, if they're having fun when they do it, and of course, it's a great way to, to make money that that success just carries over and you see a lot of these people who have been in one thing, but then they've been in another, they've been in another. Now you may see their face on screen quite a bit in other things. And you'd be surprised that some of these people make an appearance as a voice actor as well. Yeah. And, and just, uh, especially when you're uh, an actor that's going to be um, seen, I mean, you, you, you're recognized, but when it's just a voice, they can be passed on the street and you wouldn't know. So this is a really excellent opportunity to be able to link that voice with an actual face and go, oh, hey, you were responsible for some of the, the voices that I just absolutely loved. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a nice way to just kind of kind of have a chance to, to just see that artist and I, for me, just kind of thank them for the piece that uh, piece of pop culture that they put together or that they helped influence. But it's also, like we said, it's a collection, right? So oh, it's, yeah. it's anime, it's comedy, it's Star Wars, it's comic, it's a little bit of everything. Absolutely. Now, uh, one little bit of um, advice that I will give anybody that's going to be attending this particular convention. There are just a couple of pieces of information. Now, uh, Cleveland is a lovely city, um, at least the parts that I have visited anyway. Um, 
but their positioning of the um, the event center that this is going to be held in is not as centrally located in the same way as like Indianapolis has it set up. If you go to Gen Con, for example, uh, the convention center is linked to just a ton of hotels. And even the ones that it's not linked to, there are still uh, just a ton that are really, really close. And there's a lot of stuff really nearby. So, I mean, it's really easy to get around and to know where you are and not get lost. Um, now, I'm not saying you will get lost in Cleveland because you won't. But the the number of hotels in close proximity to where this is going to happen is smaller. Um, and they're not as directly connected for the most part. So if you want to go and not have to walk around a lot outside or uh, at the very least uh, to, to find your way, which is kind of what I did last time, <laughs> we, we stayed not right next to, we got we had a very nice room that we stayed in, but it took us a minute to, to get our bearings and figure out what we were doing. Uh, you can go to the Fan Expo website and they have a link directly to a couple of different hotels, one of which is directly connected to the convention center, which is where we will be staying this time. So what you're saying is be prepared right. ahead of time for your lodging. Um, if you can't get something that's in the proximity, just make sure that you're aware of where parking is located, what the cost right. will be, or make sure you have your Uber and Lyft app available on your cellular telephone. Indeed. And one other, just kind of to put it in a kind of a cost uh, to kind of know what you're getting into, it's really affordable uh, to go to all of the days of this. The, the entry fee is not uh, massive. I mean, it's not like 20 bucks, but it's not going to be a three or $400 ticket. You're less than $100 to get into all the days. Um, obviously, there's going to be food and all that any of the stuff that you're going to buy. The biggest expense that you're going to run into at a convention like this is going to be getting those opportunities to get a, an autograph from one of the celebrities or to have a photo opportunity. In fact, they, they sell tickets to where you can get photo opportunities with an, an individual or groups of the celebrities, and they'll have varying costs, or you can often do so at the booth, and it will have its cost as well. That can range anywhere from the twenty to thirty dollar range per to a couple hundred bucks, depending upon you know what you're doing. Um, so again, be prepared, plan accordingly. Uh, as I mentioned in the Facebook post, I say treat this just like you would treat going to Vegas. Have an amount of money you're willing to lose before you ever step foot on the floor, and that's my cap. This is the maximum because. It's very easy to get really excited while you're there and just overspend. And if the convention, which we hope is going to be busy, if it's busy, I, I think the expectation has to be in place that, you know, plan out your days. If you look on the convention website, there is at least a little bit of information about when a lot of these folks are going to be at the convention. So you can plan your days around, you know, having to, if you know you're going to have to wait to speak to somebody or to get a picture or to get an autograph, then you can kind of plan your days around it a little bit better. Um, you know, the folks that are at this convention are at this convention 
for a reason. So, you know, make sure also that you're respectful of their time as well. Indeed. Um, so uh, we talked a little bit about this in this episode. We're going to go into a little bit of what some of the things that you can expect to be able to do while you're there. A few other bits and pieces of information that are useful uh, in our next episode as well. Uh, but uh, I think it's now time to get into uh, a little history. History? Yeah, a little recent history, anyway. Uh, 2020, uh, nothing happened that year, right? A year of fond memories, <laughs> weight gain, <laughs> and alcohol consumption. Uh, yeah, that, that was a rough year. It was a rough year for most people. It was a rough year for the movie industry. Um, we've done several years where we have to chop uh, chop the episode into multiple pieces just because there are that many comic-based films that are released. didn't happen that way in 2020. There were six. And usually, usually, if that list has 10, 12, four of them we've not seen because they just were straight to video productions or maybe one that was released in the theater for a brief amount of time and also not the case for this year. So it was a, it was a thing that I think between us, we've, we, it's not quite, we haven't seen all of them. We saw all but one. We saw all but one. Well, you've all see, seen all but one. I think I've seen all but so we're going to start, as we often do, with the movie that we have not seen first. <laughs> Get that out of the way. It's not. This is not an instance for me uh, of that I did not want to see it. I actually really did want to see it, but it came out at exactly the wrong time. This released right when everything hit, mm. basically. So it was. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not braving that at that point. Yeah, victim of bad timing. Yeah, really, really, really unfortunate. But uh, the movie we're talking about is called Bloodshot. It's a, a Vin Diesel-led film based on the comic book uh, for the character, unsurprisingly, of Bloodshot. Now, uh, Bloodshot was originally a, um, a valiant character that you first saw in Eternal Warrior Number 4 back in 1992. Um, it's so the character's been around for a little while yeah. at this point, and it's kind of an interesting character. I, I liked Valiant. I, I still like Valiant, uh, but I really liked it at that point because it just gave a different flavor a little bit in art style, a little different flavor in the type of stories that it was trying to tell. It wasn't always successful, um, but it was it was really interesting. Uh, I, I, I think the one that I collected the most at that point was called Geomancer, which I thought was just kind of a fun, a fun title. Um, but uh, so, yeah, um, we, neither of us saw this director was uh, Dave Wilson. Uh, if you're not familiar with Dave Wilson, uh, not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason. There, there is a reason. It's not that he hasn't done anything, but he spent most of his time on visual effects. Done. For video games and movies. Yeah, just all sorts of stuff. But as far as directorial stuff, he had he had directed a single episode of a single show uh, before uh, this came out. And since then, has directed a single episode of a single show. 
Um, a segment. A segment. Right. Oh, uh, so. Eh. So, he, honestly, on this one, for the last six months, I've forgotten this movie even existed. But it's on, I, I want to say this is on Amazon, if you have an Amazon Prime subscription that you could just go and search and find it and watch it. But honestly, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, well, I'm searching through movies. It isn't something I'm like, yeah, I want to watch that. The primary reason for that is Vin Diesel, but maybe I'm crazy, but. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. It's, it's, it's like anything else. Uh, there are going to be actors that hit you well and others that don't. I think for what Vin Diesel does, he's very good at his one specific thing. He can look tough. He can act tough. Yeah. Kind of has a grumbly voice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's it, it works for me. It's not like uh, uh, it's not like he probably doesn't have other other skills, but that's what he's known for. So that's what he's marketed uh, as, whether it's himself or his agent or whatever. And those are the films that he goes into, and he does a great job. I mean. Um, he showed up in Saving Private Ryan. Right. And then he was in Pitch Black. Which was really good. And then he got, he, he hit the popularity scale and just did a whole bunch. He did comedies and all types of stuff, but. His comedies were not good. Yeah. And the Fast and Furious movies, I just have zero interest in watching those whatsoever. Yeah. I can't really, uh, can't really get into those too well. And if you look at the cast of who else is involved with this film, there really is only a couple of other names. Uh, you got Isa Gonzalez, who is an elite battle angel. Um, She's been in quite a few things. I had Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, <laughs> so, weird. yeah, good stuff there. Uh, I'm going to go with Sam Hewen. I hope. Uh, he's been in a, a number of things that I have not seen. <laughs> that was, was one of these like uh, Outlander. Did I see that on there somewhere? Yeah. That's probably if you've seen anything recently and you've seen that show, that's probably where you'd recognize him from. I definitely recognize his face, so that must have been what it was from. Yeah. But uh, So yeah, so if you like action, which is obviously what this is going to be in, it's kind of presented at least in what I've seen the previews as fairly mindless action, but in a fun way. I, I bet I bet it'll be fun. I don't think it's gonna be deep, but I'm gonna watch it and I I have a funny feeling it's like, yeah, that was that was okay. Is probably what I'll say at the end of it. Movie review for the future? Yeah, probably so. I'll eventually get to it because it is a comic book movie and I will see them all eventually. Eventually. Uh, but now that we're done with that, let's just move on to something that at least one of us has seen. Did you end up ever seeing The New Mutants oh, yeah. in 2020? You saw it. Did you go to the theater to watch it? I think you did. I did not. I saw it on streaming. Oh, okay. We both saw it probably about the same time. Yeah. We, did a, we did a review of this. Didn't we, we may have done a review of this. <laughs> it's, been a long, it's been a long couple of years. Uh, yeah, that was a, it was a bit ago. Um, because this one... It it came out in 2020. It was supposed to come out in like 2018. Right. It kept being delayed. And it showed up on uh, HBO Max, what, late, late in 2020? 
maybe early 2021. I'm, I just can't remember at this point. It's on HBO Max right now. Yeah. Um, it wasn't bad. No, I, I enjoyed, I actually surprisingly enjoyed it. I, with everything that happened, I thought, man, this is going to just be trash. But it wasn't. It was all right. It was okay. And especially when when you think about those movies that get mired in reshoots and delays and that gets get keeps getting pushed back and pushed back. You know, when the people shot this movie, they were two, three years younger than when it was actually released. It's, it's crazy to think about it. It sat on the shelves for so long before they put it out. And, you know, part of that, too, was... Um, they didn't think it was that great. Plus, Fox had been sold or was in the process of being sold. and It's it just a lot of moving parts. And I, I mean, I guess I kind of get it, but yeah, it was okay. Now, the New Mutants uh, were originally um, a Chris Claremont thing uh, from back in the day in Marvel. Uh, their first appearance was a... What was it? It was, um, I think, 81 or 82. Um and they, it is in a self-titled kind of uh, uh, kind of a one-off in a way before they actually got the new Mutants comic that came out. Um, the uh, It was always um, something I kind of overlooked when I was reading comics, but I kind of came back to and really enjoyed when I, when I was able to take the time to do so. So I had little expectations going into the film. Uh, Josh... Boone directed. He did uh, The Fault in Our Stars, which is very popular, and I kept meaning to see and never did. I have a feeling I'd like it if I saw it. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, the casting of the film was really excellent. Um, the tone was pretty solid. Yeah. The So... You know, Macy Williams was obviously uh, Game of Thrones, big in Game of Thrones. Like she was, you know, if you haven't watched it, spoiler alert, one that lives through the entire season, the series. But when she shot this movie, I mean, her I don't think her popularity was just quite at the high point that it was when it came out, right? So yeah. it's one, like I said, we, it, it was filmed so far before, and Anya Taylor-Joy same thing like yeah she she started really taking off after this finally hit theaters it was already in process uh now charlie heaton already had some exposure just because of uh, stranger things but uh that's true but you know he might have been he might have filmed this after season one of stranger things yeah. it's I mean, it's entirely pop. i guess we're not good at the timelines but um, hey, Marilyn Manson was in this movie. His voice was, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I'm not going to give anything away uh, about this, partially because we've already talked about it, I'm sure, at some point. But just a, it's a nice one-off. If it's on streaming, don't don't go out and buy it kind of a thing. But if it's on streaming, yeah, it's worth a watch. Yeah, if you got HBO Max, you'll be able to watch it. Yeah. Now, we're going to go from that to something that I would I think I described as not worth buying and not worth streaming. <laughs> I, I've I've been able to watch this now for the last year and a half, and I have absolutely refused to watch it. So, 
Um, there's that. I don't know if that means anything. Uh, we're talking about uh, birds of prey. Uh, yeah. Now, birds of prey, this is technically a Harley Quinn film more than it's a birds of prey film. But if you're talking about the actual birds of prey, they showed up first in Showcase 96, unsurprisingly, in 1996. Weird. Yeah. Uh, a DC group that was fairly popular for good reason. Uh, the writing on it was usually pretty consistent, and the characters were really interesting, and the group of them together just melded really well in the books. I, I enjoy the birds of prey. Um, and... We have talked to individuals that have worked on Harley Quinn and things like that in terms of uh, uh, writers, comic book writers, and I really like those writers. And several of them were like, yeah, go see this movie. It's great. And uh, I, I, I feel like we watched a different film than they did. <laughs> they were just probably excited that their product hit the big screen. And it had a couple, you know, names that were big that were going to be in the movie. Yeah. That, that was probably part of it. But even watching the previews of this thing, man, it just looks not good. And previews don't mean everything. No. Reviews and ratings don't mean everything. You actually have to watch it to get your full perspective on it. I get that. I understand that. But if you look at any indication of this movie... It seems that it's not that good. Yeah. The, the 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 best descriptor that I can really give without going back into the review that we've already done is just basically this film has a fantastic cast. I mean, there's no no doubt about it. I love pretty much everybody that is in this film. And they've done such great work. And you, you think it's going to be a grand slam, especially considering how well Margot Robbie did for the character i mean she she got it she gets the character and she she does really well with it but better in other movies yeah you can see the character is good if you just if you just look at the suicide squad movie the most recent one the james Mm -hmm. gunn version you can see that the characters how they're presented can be put in a good story and have a, a good attitude, atmosphere, right. presence on screen. And when they're not, you can see the opposite. So. I never like uh, criticizing any aspect of the creation process because ultimately it all boils down to opinion. And it's so, so saying that this is just written really badly is not entirely accurate. Uh, you know, when I say that, what we're really meaning is, or at least what I'm really meaning is, it didn't hit for me. Um, I, I felt that the writer did not understand the characters very well. Or the source material. Or the source material. Um, but, uh, and it sometimes even comes down to the style used, like we talked about the combat, and this is probably the last thing I'll say about this. These are These are either superhuman individuals or individuals in a reality where there are superhuman individuals so the rules for physics are a little different we have to accept that going into it but (laughs) certain things are not different a hundred and five pound woman is not going to throw around a 300 
pound dude without super strength. Body leverage. Yeah, it's just not happening. Um, and I just just comparing the combat sequences from Birds of Prey to the most recent Suicide Squad, I think is a perfect example of why the one worked and the other one didn't. Because in both instances, we need to see Harley be awesome. I mean, just kick the living snot out of whoever she's going up against. But in Birds of Prey, it's completely unrealistic and hard to get into and just doesn't look right. Whereas in the more recent Suicide Squad film, she still manages to just beat the tar out of everyone, but does it in a way that makes sense. That just doesn't make my brain want to jump out of my skull saying, no, that's not how it works. Please stop. She did have a very long jump with a spear that went into a eyeball. That is true. But again, we're back to comic books. Yeah. Maybe I was willing to give it a little more of a pass just because it was so much better up until that point. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, you know, there you go again. Uh, our brains sometimes play tricks on us. So who knows? Everything I said could have been complete, just uh, not Lee, not Lee true. <laughs> I'm making up words. Notley. Like Notley. Notley true. All right. It's like an offshoot of Motley Crew. That's right. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to something that uh, at least I enjoyed. We did a review on this, or at least I did a review on this. I think you did a review on yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Extraction also came out in 2020, but you saw this film. Mm-hmm. I've seen this one. Yeah. Did you ever read the comic? No. Yeah. I mean, either. Uh, <laughs> based on Ciudad from Oni Press. Uh, December 2014, uh, I flipped through it. That's, that's about as close as I got. So I can kind of claim that I read it, but I didn't really read it. Well, flipped through it is acceptable. Yeah. Um, but considering the writing credits. The Russo brothers, brothers, brothers. brothers. Yeah. And, uh, so the director, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was the stunt coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. On a lot of the things that the Russo brothers handled. And a lot of other things, too. But that's why the Russo brothers had this person to be the director for it. Now, if you've seen this movie, um, or if you haven't, it's on Netflix. And a lot of those... Actiony, shoot 'em up, fast pace. Mm-hmm. You're you're not going to be wowed by any plot lines. That's no. for sure. You're not going to be moved to tears by any acting performance. But if you want some time to get some faces with guns and bullets and <laughs> punches in face and blood, uh, then it's right up your alley. Good car chase scenes, you know, like little things like that. And then the question becomes, if you did watch this movie, how are they making a sequel in production now? <laughs> Post-production even. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, well, you know, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to follow logical production, uh, pro, uh, logical, uh, it does not follow the same person. Maybe. True, but I think it does. 
Unless it's just like flashbacks. <laughs> like a prequel? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see. I'm willing to give it a chance just because it was it was really enjoyable. Uh, not one I have watched since I watched it. No. And probably won't watch it again. Probably not. But I enjoyed what I saw. So yeah. if you need a you know what an hour forty five minutes of you know fun action shoot 'em up and you like Chris Hemsworth, I think this is right up your alley. Now you know what doesn't take an hour and forty five minutes. Um, cooking a grilled cheese sandwich. Absolutely, or visiting us on social media. Hey there, pudding people. Don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day. Richard, you're most on Instagram, right? On the Graham Graham, yes. And what are we best known on Instagram as? Pudding guys. Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at Real Pudding Guys. Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week, when it's released, any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, now, our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate the film and television engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Voting guys. Pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's $1 per month. Per month. Not per day. Per month. <laughs> yes. $12 <laughs> for a year. Yeah. Uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content, as we get better equipment to release the content into. And when the Fate engine comes out, it will have its own cost, and we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this. And it's going to be so cool. I can't wait for you all to hear about it. And we're back. And we're back. That's right. Uh, we've got two more films that happened in 2020. Both female-led films. One was really entertaining, and the other was not. <laughs> there was a lot of anticipation for one of them. The other one, not. That's correct. And the two are not the same. No. Um, both were streaming mm -hmm. things, because theater things in 2020 just wasn't going to happen. Got shut down. Wasn't going to happen. So we did one Netflix picture show mm -hmm. and we're off to another Netflix picture show. We are indeed. Uh, we're going to talk about The Old Guard based on the comic. The Old Guard <laughs> from Image. Uh, now the, the the comic came out in 2017. Um so Quick turnaround. Yeah, not 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 a big not a big thing there. And uh I had this is another one. I I still have not read this one. 
Um, it looks like it could be pretty interesting. If it's anything like the presentation of the film, I think that there's some some great uh, potential of it being fun. Um, but, you know, uh, without giving anything away, they're immortal sometimes. Mostly. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> yeah, the the idea behind it is cool. Yeah. Uh, the actual presentation was cool. Um, Charlize did great. I, I I feel like I feel like to an extent we overlook her as like an action star when she's been just in a ton of oh, yeah. action movies. I mean, she's been in a ton of movies and a ton of different projects and a ton of different directions and all those types of things. And she's been an uh, international superstar model and she's been the face of products. But she, she can do a little bit of everything. And yeah. I, I think her star power really kind of shows through on this one. I absolutely agree. Uh, the director, Gina Prince-Blythewood, wasn't really familiar with her work up until that point, but uh, I think she did absolutely fine on this i'll watch shirley's and anything um but the the surrounding cast uh, a lot of people i wasn't really familiar with but they all kind of knocked it out of the park they did great mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's one that we recognize uh you play copley what was that person's name not not even uh-uh nope uh we will see this person next month as Baron Mordo, well, not Baron, but Mordo. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's he is excellent. Um, he was excellent in this too. So I mean, uh, is this is another instance a lot like, um, a lot like Extraction. This isn't a deep film by any stretch of the nope. imagination. It's just an action romp with a little bit of flavor on it, but it's good flavor. Uh, it's like a it's like an excellent hamburger. It's it's fast food, sure, but. Uh, it's good fast food. It is good. Now, if you were to compare these two, when I say these two, I mean this one and then what we had just reviewed mm-hmm. briefly, which Netflix picture show do you think you enjoyed more? I think I like The Old Guard better. Uh, I would be more likely to watch this one again than I would the other, um, but only just barely. They're yeah, bo- they're both equally good in their own way yeah um i have to go back and look at my ratings to see if that matches <laughs> let us see um if if what i said was accurate we will we will find old guard i rated it 80 and extraction i did 75 79 <laughs> whoa i had 75 also so yeah we were both very 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 on. Very good. So, yeah. Uh, once again, I'll reiterate this. If you have Netflix and you just want something to kind of chew up some time that's fun, action movie, either one of these would, would do the job. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're just a lot of fun. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. It's just, it's just good. Both with sequels on the way, too. That's right. Uh, and as we are occasionally uh, required to do, we're going to end on a sour note. <laughs> Going from two movies that are fun and have that nice feel to it to one that's just a... A dud. A dud. Uh, problematic. Disappointment, you know? 
Well, especially considering, at least for me, I loved the first Wonder Woman so much. It was just really, really good. And so I had high hopes for this one, which I should learn from now, don't have high hopes on a DC product. Um, they will more often than not find a way to mess it up. Um, and a solid, solid cast. And, you know, presumably, you know, they, they threw it a different time frame and they put things into a curveball and they introduced, you know, different enemies and and it's just no well i mean i i can't i can't put it up to the director because she directed the first wonder woman so i mean that's true i mean wouldn't she have writing credits on the second one let's look Oh. Screenplay by uh, story maybe, by. Maybe we can <laughs> put some blame there. She, she has she, no credits for the first one. No, no, just uh, just director. Hmm. Sorry, Patty. Well, the third one's going to come out. This will give us a chance to see if what we said was true, because she's going to be writing that one. It looks like as well as directing. So if the third one is good, then we'll just have to kind of. Chalk it up to a misfire or, uh, one, again, one of those instances where it just didn't hit us correctly. Because, again, the, the casting in this is just fantastic. Um, takes a character we like and continues the storyline. Well, if you talk about the cast, sometimes how when they organize the cast, there's all, there's, sometimes they'll put some of the stars, they'll tuck them way down in the list or recognize the people recognizable people kind of way down in the list but if we look at the how it's presented just the first six that are on here like that's star power it is and i'm trying to think the characters that they played in this particular movie well, they were they were fine right well i don't know about that well one of them maybe not so well, I, I had problems with most of them, uh, and it's not their portrayals. That, that's kind of what I will say. Yeah. But yeah, but the writing of the character, it's like, oh, Kristen Wiig is playing Cheetah, as written by a person who doesn't understand Cheetah. And <laughs> Pedro Pascal is playing Maxwell Lord, uh, as written by somebody that apparently has never read anything about this character. <laughs> I just... Is what it feels like. It's probably not true. And I have to believe this is another instance because even more than Marvel, DC likes to put their fingers into all of this stuff in, in a similar way that Sony puts their fingers into stuff. And all they do is mess it up every single time. So I'm, I'm betting that that's more of what caused it than, than Patty Jenkins. You think they had that much influence on this one? I wager they did. Leave it to a studio to ruin something. I mean, just the other side of it. Look at the other stuff that she's that she's done. I mean, Monster was fantastic. Wasn't there some Academy Awards issue for I, that one? I think so. Uh, that was fantastic. The first Wonder Woman was really good. Uh I don't think I've seen any of these other ones. 
I mean, I love Entourage. She directed two episodes of that. I don't know what that means, but yeah, uh, eh, not much, truthfully. Yeah, but but the bottom line is, I mean, the person that can write and direct Monster, I don't see them misfiring like this. It just it just the two don't don't seem to line up for me. What are you doing, Warner Brothers? Let's get your game tight. <laughs> When you when you can go on your platform of HBO Max, and you can probably there's two of them on there that I know of, um, animated movies revolving around Wonder Woman that are probably both way better than this one, and I know it's a cartoon. Oh yeah, I get it, and I know you can do whatever you want on the cartoon because it's a cartoon, and. Maybe people are like it's not a cartoon; it's an animated feature. Like it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. <laughs> I love them. That's one of my favorite places to go and watch stuff. Yeah, me too. And how you can present a character in these animated features that have a good story, stick to the comic book material for the most part with these characters, and yet you just you, when it comes to putting a live face in front of the camera, why can't you just translate A to A, right? Like what, right. I don't I don't I just don't understand it. Why I, I why do we it. need to change that was was what's that famous saying uh, if it ain't broke uh, have the studio change everything. <laughs> yeah, I just I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I I'm not 100% sure either. But that's everything. That's all of 2020. Only six films, most of them pretty solid. And truthfully, to be absolutely fair, even the ones that missed were polished misses. As as weird as that might sound. Well, they're DC. Right. Yeah. Uh, DC, if nothing else, they will not release a product that feels incomplete, if, if that makes sense. No. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> A complete mess. Whoa. That's right. Yeah. Zinger. Uh, Yeah. Well, I feel like DC needs to stay in our thoughts. Why don't we next week review a DC movie? Mm. I could honestly say that I've had some good excitement and anticipation for this movie, which I hate. <laughs> you're, you're always concerned it's going to let you down. Yeah. Um, I'm not certain it will. We'll see. But uh, yeah, we're going to review The Batman and uh, we'll see if they can continue the trend of Batman films being pretty decent. I hope so. And if it is decent, you're probably going to be like, well, this isn't actually part of the. You know, the, the DC universe. This is its own thing. Neither was Joker. Exactly. Well, let's make the best stuff. Not have anything to do with the rest of the world. <laughs> Great. Well played, guys. Uh, we'll see.